The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Good morning. How are we doing? Man, I'm so excited to see you. It has been a crazy morning already. I mean, it has just been wow. Uh, in the first service, we didn't have any baptisms scheduled, but God did. Um, in the first service, I just said, you know, we didn't have this out for a staff hot tub last night. It was, uh, um, I said, we didn't have any baptisms scheduled for the first service. And I said, uh, I said this, and I'm going to say this because I think this is the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean it's going to happen in this service, but in the first service was just a powerful moment with the Holy Spirit. But baptism is this. It's that first step of obedience after we give our life to Christ. Um, that when we come to him as a sinner and, and profess him as Lord and Savior, he saves us. And then he says, your first step that I'm asking you to take is obedience. And what that, it's kind of like when I stood at the altar with Heather when we got married, I didn't have a ring on. And one act that happened in that ceremony was I placed a ring on that's a sign of my covenant so that it says to the world, I'm not my own. I belong to an incredibly wonderful woman. And she wears a ring that says she belongs to this crazy dump of a man. Um, <laughs> But it's a symbol of that covenant, and that's what baptism is. And so, man, in the first service, I said, so anybody want to get baptized? And a hand goes up. And she comes up, and I said, have you, one of the things that's asked at the tank is, have you professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And she said, I don't know that I have. So in the first service, the entire service witnessed death coming to life and baptism. So... And I just believe that's the power of the Holy Spirit, that when he shows up, um, big things happen. And so I'm like, hey, you saw some awesome baptisms. And I'm going to tell you a story about one or two, or two of them in a minute. But is any, I'm going to put that out there. Any of you want to get baptized right now? We can do it right now. All right, I didn't think so. That was the Holy Spirit in the first service. Everybody's like, no, no, no. That's awesome. So I'm Pastor Matt. I'm glad you're here. If, like uh, Adam said, if this is your first time, I'd love for you to fill out one of those Connect cards and put that in the seat, uh, giving station um, so we can get in touch with you. And um, giving stations are on the, on the back walls. And it's been an exciting season around here. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, 2017, I'm just stoked for because I believe God is just doing some incredible things. And, and one of those things uh, is uh, we were able to hire a new youth pastor, a student pastor, full-time. So Alec, why don't you come up here? So welcome, Alec Jacks. Um, he's our new, new youth pastor, man. So you can, we're going to be, he was here Wednesday night with the kids, and he's going to be scheduling some time with the leaders, and I know a lot of things, he's kind of in that overwhelmed stage of learning um, and building relationships, and so uh, parents, if you have teenagers, uh, we are going to be scheduling a night real soon uh, to do kind of an open house night, and kind of like meet the teacher, but meet the, meet the pastor night, um, so you can hear his vision, um, and you can get to know him, because uh, he's here to partner with you, not do ministry for you parents, but partner with you, and so we're excited to have you. Incredible story. I met Alec in November, and we've been praying since the summer uh, for someone with the, the character the skill set, the gift set, the experience in the summer, and God showed us your face in November, and it's just, it was an incredible process um, how God brought all this together. So Alex's going to be in the lobby after service. Get to know him. He's incredible. He's got a great story. He's got a fiance getting married in April, so um, <laughs> um, yes, so he's going to be putting on a ring, and 
That's, I don't, I'm not going to call you a dump of a man, but um, I don't know you that well yet. But uh, um, so, uh, so get to know him, and, uh, and his, his fiance is so sweet. She is a sweetheart, and I can't wait for y'all to get to know her as well. So I'm um, Alec. Welcome. We love you, Thanks, and we're man. proud of you. We're excited. So, uh, um, uh, next week, we're going to be doing our State of the Ministry address, and that, that is a time where we kind of open up the hood of the car, if you will, and, and we go through all the data, um, you know, numbers and figures, and then I, I really believe God's given me a specific word uh, for our church this year um, that, that I'm going to be sharing with you um, what that word is for us to rally around, and I, I'm excited about that. Through this fast, God has just been doing amazing things in me, and, and just revelation, and I, I just... I can't contain it all, and I'm excited about it. But next Sunday night, um, we are having a service on Sunday night and Monday night. And so that's just going to be, I mean, just it's going to be old school a little bit, but I, we're going to be preaching it. Um, we're going to be sharing what God has, is revealing through this fast. And so that, those two nights, we're calling Focus 2017. And let me tell you, if you're struggling with kind of getting on focus and, and really where you need to dial in and lock in on for 2017, I'm encouraging you to be here those two nights because you're not just going to hear from me, but I believe you're going to hear from God. And he's going to focus and hone in some of those things in your life that he wants you to challenge. He wants to challenge you and he wants you to, to run towards this year. So um, next Sunday, night and Monday night, and man, what an incredible way to start your week. Um, it's going to be incredible, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I always get emotional during, there's my watch. Sorry. <laughs> that was a literal squirrel, right? I mean, I mean, come on. I was thinking, I was thinking, where's my watch? Like, did somebody in the first service jacket, you know? Because um, those first service people, you got to watch it. Now, I will tell you something about the first service. There's a lot of room in the first service. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, I took it off when we baptized. I mean, so I was like, anybody want to get baptized? She's like, I will. And I'm rolling on my sleeves, like, let's do this. Somebody go find me a towel. And whatever we got to do, I'm taking off my watch. It was awesome. She's taking off her shoes. I'm like, I love it. That's, that's, that's church right there. Um, but... I get so emotional about baptism and, and every baptism story because every one of them is a result of people praying and sharing and, and there are names on the wall out front that we've been praying. Those boards, if you're new to the creek, when we moved in, those boards are sponsored by families in our church and on the back are encouraging scriptures. Don't you do it. And names of people that were praying to come to know Jesus. And at, at VBS this summer, one, a mom walked out, and she said, there's a name that's not, not needed on that board anymore. And there are names on the back of the, your name may be on the back of that board. If somebody's been inviting you to church and you're new to the creek, your name may be on the back of that board. And they're praying for you. They've been specifically praying for you to come to know Jesus. That wall is a call to prayer when we walk into this facility. And so I get, I get emotional during baptisms because that's, that's life change. Two of the baptisms that you saw, we just baptized mom and dad a couple months ago. And six months ago, we were praying for kids. And this morning, they baptized their adopted daughters. <clears throat> That's the power of God. That's the beauty and the spirit of adoption that God calls us and sets us in family 
and he gives us new life. And, and, and there are some things that should mark our lives as followers of Jesus. I mean, when we give our life to Christ and we profess him as Lord and Savior, there are things that mark our life. Obedience is one of those things. And that first act of obedience is baptism. There should be graces that mark our life. I mean, people should notice the level of grace that exists in our life. We should look different and operate different than the way the world does. Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. So our capacity to love should be different than the rest of the world's. One of the, one of the things, and generosity. I mean, Jesus said, I've given my life for you to give. We're blessed to be a blessing. So generosity should mark the church, not stinginess like we talked about last week. And one of the things that Jesus calls us to do that I think, I think we, most Christians have the biggest struggle with is being a witness. It's sharing the gospel. Evangelism, if you grew up in church, it's preaching Jesus. And, and preaching Jesus is not just my job. I mean, I, I love Jesus. He's transformed my life. And, and that my function, a function of my job is to share Christ with you, but also in my life. I mean, what I say in the platform should reflect in my neighborhood and reflect at the grocery store and heaven help me, Holy Spirit's power on me in traffic. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but being a witness for Christ, sharing the gospel is something that we, should just be natural to us. And honestly, most Christians are scared to death of this. I mean, most Christians put sharing the gospel and being a witness on the same level as public speaking. I mean, a lot of people have such a fear of public speaking, they would rather die than get up in front of people. I mean, if I just said, hey, I'm going to call you up here, you'd be like, I'd rather die, please. You know, I'll take death. Um, you know, I used to be terrified of public speaking. And it's not that I love it. I mean, I mean every Sunday, three times a day. I mean, I've got butterflies in the, in the pit of my stomach, and I mean, I'm standing over there repenting of everything I can think of, and I'm just like, Holy Spirit, fill me. I can't do this. I need you. I need you. And then I check my zipper, and then I get up here, you know? I mean, because <laughs> I've, I've gone through that embarrassment before. Anyway, um, so yeah. <laughs> but I think we've complicated this thing of, of sharing the gospel and sharing Jesus. If you got your Bibles, go to John chapter 9. I got to get this thing on track. Or where I, I'm going somewhere, trust me. Well, I just, I don't know where yet, but I'm going somewhere. John chapter 9, if you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back tables for you. And if you don't own one, we I want you to have that. It's our gift to you. Um, and on your note sheet, I put John 9. I didn't put any verses because we, we're covering almost the whole chapter today. Um, so you're welcome. Um, so I got to, you got to keep the squirrels out of the room, all right, because we got to get through this. <clears throat> anyway. This is, I want us to, to learn how to simplify sharing our faith. So John chapter nine, as he passed by, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. I love that Jesus addressed the blindness because you're gonna see something in this. this is, I'm gonna preach to you about being an eyewitness. But, but it's interesting how religion can kind of get in the way of sharing our, our faith and sharing our story because religion's gonna try to box us in. Religion's gonna say, hey, because you sinned, you're blind. Or because your mother and father sinned, you're blind. Now, sin does have death effects and detrimental effects 
on the earth and in the world. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that was the original sin, that was the fall of man, death entered. So sin has created incredible issues in the world for us. And we're born into that. We're born broken. We're born dead spiritually. We may be alive and breathing and walking around, but dead, we're, we're I mean, spiritually, we're dead. And, and it's interesting because religion has set up these disciples because they asked Jesus about it. They're like, hey, see that blind man? Did he sin or his parents sin for this blindness? And, and Jesus, it, that, that, that is not an issue of the sin. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in him. This happened, some translations, so that God may be glorified through what happens to this man. And I love that he addresses it. And then, then having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, you ain't putting mud in my eyes. I'm sorry. Um, the only reason he got, Jesus got mud in his eyes, I believe, is because he was blind. He didn't see it coming. But, uh, but what's interesting in this is, see, Jesus is moving past the religion. He, he spits in the ground and makes mud. And, and why he did it, I don't know. I mean, Jesus could have just said, you can see. I mean, your faith has made you whole. There's one blind man. Jesus touched him. There's another blind man in the Gospels that Jesus spit in his eyes. I don't know what I'd rather have, spit and then mud and then in my eye or just spit in my eye. You know, when you're talking to somebody and they're kind of close and they, they spit on you and you feel it hit your cheek or the worst is it hit your lip and you're like, oh, it's like acid burning. I spit when I preach up here and I see it sometimes. In the first service I saw it, it's just like you had this beautiful arc in the light. But um, I don't know what I'd, want worse is the spit in my eye or the spit in the mud. Anyway, but what's interesting is Jesus anointed this man with mud. And the anointing wasn't what healed him. He had to walk in obedience because he, he put the mud in his eyes. It says that he anointed him. And then he said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And it says that, so he went and washed and came back seeing. It's not that on the way or while he was sitting with the mud in his eyes, his eyes were being opened. I mean, that, that's something we have to realize, that, that Jesus anoints us, and then we have to walk in obedience. That's, that's what baptism is. I mean, we get anointed with grace and forgiveness. We get anointed with the blood of the Lamb that changes us and saves us and covers our sin, makes us a new creation, and he says, now go. And so we go in obedience. There, there's a lot of Christians, I believe, that are, that are sitting around muddy, They've been anointed by Jesus, but they've done nothing with obedience. And we've got to understand that this life, this discipled life, if we're going to follow Jesus and pursue Jesus, it's not just getting muddy, but being obedient. And so Jesus does this. And what happens is when this change happens, people notice. The neighbors, verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, yeah, it's him. It is he. Others said, no, but it's like him. <laughs> I think that's, no, that's not, that's kind of like him, but that's not him. That's, that's like him. And then this is what the man says. I'm the man. Now, he's not like, I'm the man, but he's like, I'm the man. I'm the man you're talking, that, that's the, the beggar, that, that's me. I, I was sitting, I was blind, and, and, and now I can see, and I, that's the same guy. 
I've experienced something. Something's happened, and now I can see. And so they said to him, how were your eyes open? And he said, this man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He says, I don't know. And so you see that trail, that anointing and obedience. See this, they're like, what happened? The man says, look, Jesus anointed me, and he said, go. So I went. I mean, I I didn't know how to complicate that. I didn't want to sit there and dissect the mud that he put in my eye. I didn't want to die. I couldn't couldn't dissect. I couldn't fully comprehend everything that was going on. So then they bring the Pharisees to the man. They bring the man to the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And verse 14 is interesting because here's that religious stuff coming up again. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And to the Pharisees, this was work. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Now, what's interesting, it starts out, what happened? This man named Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So I went. So now the, the religious leaders are asking him again. He's telling the story again. He's starting to get down to the to, to just common denominators here. He said, he put mud on my eyes. I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. But other people said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? How can a man who's a sinner do these things? And there was a division among them. Religion will cause division. And I'm not preaching against or about religion. I'm just saying we've got to be careful with it because it can keep us from the anointing. If we're so rigid in doing things the way they've always been done, we're going to miss the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that, that was this morning. I mean, we have a service schedule. They're printed around here somewhere. At this time, this happens. M- music starts. We're going to do worship. And then I got, I got so many minutes to preach to you, but this morning the Holy Spirit said, there's somebody that needs to get baptized in the first service. Let's do it. Now, if we're so rigid, this is the way we do things at the creek. Let me tell you something. I, I'd rather let the Holy Spirit take over than say, this is how we're going to do it. So I'm just saying So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. The Jews didn't believe that he had been born blind and received his sight. So they're like, okay, we we can see that you see now, but I don't believe that you were blind. Uh, you, you, You were probably faking it. Or you've come in from out of town and you're trying to get something out of us. I don't believe that. So what do they do? They call in another witness. They call in the man's parents. Do you tell the truth, promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, not the truth, the truth, God? And they said, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? His parents said, we know that this is our son, and we know he was born blind, but he now sees, and we don't know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. I can't tell you his story. Ask him. And so they're, they're giving this man an opportunity. You share your story. And so, but the parents are afraid. It says this in the next verse. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, they kick him out. <laughs> That's what I'm reducing it to. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, they said, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They're referring to Jesus. He answered, 
the man that was blind could now see, answered, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, I can see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them. And I believe when you read scripture, you got to get in the context, you know? I mean, I don't think it was, I have told you already, you would not listen. <laughs> I believe there's some, some Holy Spirit cleaned up translation happening here. That he says, I've told you already, and you wouldn't listen. I've gone through this story multiple times. What is it that you're not hearing me say? And then he says, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples? <laughs> See, I think there was sarcasm in that. Man, I love that the Bible can, can give you some sarcasm. Jesus has sarcasm too. And they reviled him saying, you're his disciple. But we're disciples of Moses. It's kind of like playground. Like, no, you are. No, you are, but what am I? We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. And then the man answers, he goes, well, this is amazing. This is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from. You're the religious people. You're supposed to know these things. And yet he opened my eyes. And I'm the, I'm the sinner. And you're the religious guy. This is an amazing thing. We know that God, and he's starting to teach to the religious people. I love this, man. Bring it. He's like, he's like I'm going to preach at you. He says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the beginning of the world has it been heard of that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. So there's some things that I want us to understand with simplifying our story, simplifying sharing the gospel. Uh, one of the things we've got to do, we've got to know what happened, right? I mean, this man was like, look, I know who did it. It's a man named Jesus. Where is he? I don't know, but I know it was Jesus. Where did he come from? I don't know, but it was Jesus. What did he do? He anointed me with mud and sent me to the pool, and now I can see. I, don't, I can't, see, there, there are things that we know happen that we don't understand. I'll give you an example. Last Sunday, during a football game, <laughs> which my power went out with 35 seconds left to go in the game. I'm not bitter about that at all, but <laughs> it was, yeah. Okay, so there's a play, and, and, and Heather and I are watching the game, and Heather's trying to calm me down. But um, there's a play where the quarterback receives the ball. He takes one step back. He turns and throws the ball. And it's intercepted. I mean, it was like that. Now, I knew what happened. He just threw an interception. But I'm yelling at somebody, <laughs> what happened? What just happened? And Heather's like, it was an interception. I know it was an interception. I know what happened, but help me, what happened? I mean, we go through a lot of times in life going, look, I understand, what, I, I know what happened, but I don't know what happened. And, and, and that's part of knowing what, what's going on in our life. And I mean, this man said, I, I was blind and now I see. 
well, how, how, do, how does the physical nature of that work? I mean, I don't know. I don't know about optic nerves. I don't know about all of these things that are scientifically going on in my eye. Here's what I know. I was blind and I see. Yeah, but how do you know that Jesus has the power to heal? I was blind and I can see. But how do you know God exists? I was blind, I can see. But how do you know if God loves me, man? Because I got a bunch of sin in my life. And, you know, the disciples, those people that were following Jesus said, well, who sinned? Your parents or you because you're blind. And, and so there must be, it must be something that you've done or your parents did because maybe you have daddy wounds or mommy wounds. I, I was blind, I see. But I don't know if God loves me because you don't know what's going on in my life and I don't think he has a Let me help you with something. God is a supernatural God. And when we try to limit him and it, try to understand and explain everything, we miss the supernatural, okay? I mean, the reality, this man's like, look, I was blind, I can see. I've never seen in my life. And instead of sitting here jacking around with this argument with you, I'd rather go see what a tree looks like. I'd like to go see what a cow looks like. I'd like to go see what my parents look like. All I can tell you, look, dude, listen, I was blind, no see. <laughs> now I can see, eyes open. How do I communicate this to you more clearly? And some of, you, some, some of you are in a situation that is a desperate situation. And you don't know what happened. And maybe that situation is one that took you to the other side. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with a marriage that needs reconciliation. Or you're dealing with relationships with your kids that need restoration. Or maybe with your parents that relationship needs restoration. We are praying for, for too many people at the creek that are fighting cancer. And you're, 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 you're going, I know what happened, but what happened? And can I tell you that that's not necessarily God's punishment on your life. That's what the disciples and the Pharisees were believing, that this man is being punished with blindness because of his parents' sin or his sin. And I just feel like God wants to say to you today, and you need to hear this, that this is happening so that the work of God might be displayed in that situation. And if you're going through that, I want to say I'm sorry. And I want you to look around because you're not alone. I mean, there are people here that have stories. And that's part of this sharing our faith is sharing our story. I believe that we become a me too community. I mean, we, we saw this played out so, so beautifully through the fall and even now and it's just expanding. Um, one story shared on video sparks a story of, hey, me too. Oh, you've, you've been to prison? Me too. Oh, oh, oh you, you're, you're working in trying to come out on the other side, me too. And then as that starts rolling, we had somebody come in the church a couple weeks ago. This is my story. I have somebody you need to talk to that's a me too person. Oh, oh you're, 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 
you've gone through a divorce and you're struggling with how God can love you, how God can heal you, how God can use you, and there's somebody sitting in this room that's going to say, me too, that's where I was, but here's where I am. I was blind, now I see. Whatever you're facing, and here's what I believe happens with our stories. They become our ministry, and there's power in that ministry. There's power in our story. In Revelation, we're told that we overcome the enemy. Revelation 12 says, we overcome him. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. For they love their lives not even unto death. What does that, what does that mean? That means that there's power in the blood of Jesus that was spilled on Calvary that gives us new life. And when that story connects with ours, that, that our story, our testimony has power to defeat the evil one. It has power when those things come together. See, here's what I know is every person has a story. Every story matters to God. And, and every story is on a trajectory to intersect with the blood of Christ. And the question is, are you going to submit to the blood of Christ? Because the power isn't in your story. The power is in the blood. And when those things are put together, it's incredibly more powerful. And you share your story. This is, this is just where we get complicated. I mean, we, we, I don't know enough Bible to share my faith. How much Bible does this man know? This man, Jesus, they, I heard him say his name, Jesus. And they were talking about whether or not I sinned in my parents. And next thing I know, I got mud in my eyes. And he says, go wash. Well, I had mud in my eyes, and I wanted out, so I'm going to go wash. And I could see. Well, where is Jesus? I don't know. Who is he? I, I, think, I think he's a prophet. This man did not have the, all the theology down. He didn't have all, he didn't have all the points and the, the gospel tracts and everything. He just said, look, man, here's my story. I was blind, and I see. And this man, Jesus, anointed me. And I can just tell you that's what happened. And, and what I love about Jesus and this power in our ministry and our story is Jesus told his disciples that you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we like to contextualize that verse. It's Acts 1.8. We like to contextualize that in, in missions work, and, and most of it's like international missions. Next week, we're going to have our team for Africa come up here. We're going to pray over them. We're going to commission them, and, and we're getting ready to send a team to Africa to do ministry. And we think, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit when you set foot in Africa. You know, I went to Africa, and it wasn't like this, oh, experience of Holy Spirit power. I mean, I kind of figured I'd step off the plane and be like, Phew. it wasn't. I got off the plane, I was like, okay. This is the other side of the world. I flew a day to get here. I'm exhausted. I'm hungry. And we contextualize it that like, hey, when I, when I get up the courage to take a mission trip, and if you've never taken one, I highly recommend one, that that's where I'll receive the power because, man, I'm, I'm gonna share my faith. You know, I want, I want you to understand something. The context of this verse was in context with his disciples that he walked with for three years. They saw Jesus crucified. They saw Jesus resurrected. And he said, you're gonna go tell everybody what you saw. 
how do you contextualize your ministry? What does your story of I was blind, but now I see, how do you tell that in the context of your life? Because God's put you in places that only you can speak into. How do you contextualize your story in the classroom? We have an an incredible amount of educators. How do you contextualize that in the classroom? How do you contextualize your story in, in an office environment, in the marketplace? I mean, because it's not gonna, it's not gonna, I don't think you're gonna get any, any, any response, any positive response if you go to the person in the next cubicle or the next office over and go, yeah, I just wanna sit down and I just wanna talk to you about Jesus Christ. Then they're gonna go, okay. And they've tuned out. But see, your story is told because there's people witnessing your life. The neighbors said, hey, that, I think that's the man that was blind and was begging. What's he doing? Hey, what happened to you? And your ministry, your Me Too moment may not be in this room. It may be at the grocery store. It may be on your street with your neighbor. It might be in your school, in your classroom, in your office environment. It, it may be here at church, but you have a ministry. And, and think about what, okay, well, how does my story, I was blind, now I see, because if you've connected with Jesus, here's your story. I was dead, now I'm alive. That when I came to Jesus, I came to sinner. And dead in my transgressions, and his grace gave me life. Well, how does, how does, Jesus, how does that actually work, the atonement of the blood on the cross? I, I was dead, now I'm alive. Now, I don't need to go through that whole track again, right? Dead, alive, blind, can see, eyes, life. And, and here's one that I think that we need to be able to trust in. It's believing God for the outcome. I mean, this man shared his story. Here's what Jesus did to me. And he, he was, oh, so are you, are you ready to make this decision? Are you ready to do this now? I mean, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit draws us and appoints the time for salvation. This morning in the first service, it was Amanda's time for salvation. When I said, is there anyone in this room? And then I, I believe that the Holy Spirit drew us that at the end we prayed. We prayed together. And I said, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I I didn't say come up and get baptized. I said, slip your hand up, and hands went up. And and the Holy Spirit appoints that time of salvation. And here's the beauty of the power of God. He's the only one that has the power to change hearts. He is the convictor of sin. I am not your convictor. I'm I'm here to preach to you and to teach to you. And and when I say preach to you, there's got to be the right environment. I mean, I'd rather come in and say, this is what Jesus is doing. This is what Jesus has done. Let me just give you, let me me help some of you contextualize your ministry. Stop preaching at your wife. Stop preaching at your husband. Stop preaching at your kids. Stop sitting there trying to take on the results. I know where your heart is. I know that your heart is, I, I desperately want my husband, my wife, my kids, my parents to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus and submit their life to him because in him is life, in him is eternity and I don't wanna see the people that I'm closest with experience this pain of separation from God. 
I know you're feeling that weight. Can I tell you, preaching at them is never gonna get them there. Let them be a witness to your life. Let them bear witness to your blindness that is now sight. Let them bear witness to your death that is now life. Let them bear witness that your your nature of sin has now become a nature of spirit and that grace is abounding in you. Let them see the goodness of God because God will draw them to forgiveness. He will draw them to conviction and draw them to repentance. It's the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. And so stop preaching at people and start letting them be a witness to your life. What happened? This man, Jesus, and you tell your story. I've prayed for miracles at the creek, and I'm praying for miracles now. God is a supernatural God. He's the God of the impossible. And I'm praying for those that are fighting cancer, and we're standing with you, and we're supporting you, and and we're praying for supernatural healing. I'm praying for your marriages, for reconciliation in your marriage, that even though maybe the divorce has been filed, that God can still work a miracle. I'm praying for miracles and restoration of relationship with your kids or with your parents. I'm praying for, for desperate financial situations where you see no way out, but God, who is supernatural, can do anything and everything. And I'm praying for miracles, and I'm believing and I'm expecting for incredible things this year. And here's the thing that I want to show you in this chapter. The greatest miracle was not the blindness that was healed. The greatest miracle was this. Jesus heard they cast him out and found him and said, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered him, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you've seen him. And it is he who's speaking. He's basically, I'm right here. It's me. You're looking right at him. He came face to face and eye to eye. And it wasn't just physically seeing Jesus. The eyes of his heart had been opened. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. See, what happens is when we, when we bear witness to what Jesus has done in our life, it leads us to worship. And other people see our worship and like, how, how can you worship that way? How can you, going through what you're going through, how can you facing diagnosis that you're facing, how can you facing the marriage situation, the financial, whatever, it, it, it's going in your mind right now. How can you face blank and worship the way you do? I was blind, and now I can see. And I've seen the goodness of God and the grace of God and the power of God. And I just want to encourage you. Let the power of the Holy Spirit rise up in you to be witnesses to a world that needs to see the saving power and needs to see that people can worship 
because of what this man Jesus has done. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you for your grace and forgiveness and life. And I thank you that we're called to be witnesses. And I thank you that we're called to be witnesses, not to things that we think we see, but the things that we, th- we see through you. And so I pray for miracles to happen. God, I, your presence is here. Your Holy Spirit is here. And we've seen salvation this morning. We've celebrated baptism this morning. And God, I'm praying for miraculous things to happen in your presence. God, we're praying for way too many people in our, our church community that are fighting cancer. And God, I, I, I'm praying supernaturally right now for an anointing of the Holy Spirit to, to, to come on that person that through faith you heal that cancer. And God, I pray that most of all you're glorified, that you're worshiped. God, there are marriages that are, they're dead. And I'm praying you supernaturally breathe life into those marriages. There's restoration that is needed between parents and kids, kids and parents, friends. I'm praying, Father, supernaturally for reconciliation and restoration to happen. I'm praying for miracles of financial provision. I'm praying for, for whatever miracles that, that, God, you know are needed. I'm praying you be the supernatural God. We're gonna trust you for the results. But God, I pray for the greatest power and I thank you for the greatest power and that's to open our eyes and change our lives through transformed hearts and lives so that we can surrender to you in worship regardless of the situation. God, I'm praying for obedience this morning to be released so people go and wash the mud off. The anointing's there. God, I'm praying for opportunities this week to share our story. That I was dead and I'm alive. I was blind, but now I see because of your amazing grace. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm gonna give the same opportunity. If you need that salvation, I just, I want you to pray this. I just want you to just call on the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord. I believe you died for me and I believe you rose again. And I'm asking you to write your story on my life. Make me new. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.